What's up, Trollsters? Matt here with a little introduction to our conversation today. First, thank you for your patience. It's been it's been a hectic season for us, and we've been a little bit behind on getting these episodes out to you, and we appreciate your patience. Um, Nate has had some health issues lately, and he's just getting back in balance, and so uh, we haven't been able to record. But we have this recording of Daniel Dopp today having an awesome conversation about relationships, pain, addiction, struggle, all stuff that we can all relate to. And uh, I just think it was uh, it was an interesting conversation. So hope you enjoy that. Um, updates. We are going to be on the road. Like I said, the last couple intros, we're going on the BC Roadshow. And by we, I mean vocal few, my wife and I. Nate and Sherwood were going to be there, but doctor's orders not a good time to tour for Nate. So we're actually going to do a podcast about <clears throat> what's been going on with him pretty soon here. So we'll we'll let him uh, update you guys on that. Um, so Nate won't be there, but Dan Koch from Sherwood will. So if you're on the East Coast or in the Eastern time zone, go to bcroadshow.com. You can see we're going to be in Nashville on the 8th, and uh, we're going to be traveling all over the East Coast, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York. Um, Ohio even, and, and we end in Kentucky on November 17th. So November 8th, that's in two weeks now, to November 17th. Um, get your tickets at bcroadshow.com. We're doing like an all-day thing. Um, that's part of the reason that Dan Koch's going to be there. He's going to be playing uh, some some music with uh, Tyson Matzenbacher, and I'm going to try to get him to play some bass with uh, Vocal Few so we can round it out. Turns out Vocal Few is probably the softest, weakest band on the lineup now that Sherwood's out. They've got He Is Legend, uh, which is a pretty heavy band, um, playing in that slot. So it'll be, uh, it'll be Vocal Few, Tyson Mazenbacher, He Is Legend, and Emery. Kind of a ridiculous lineup. Um, so I'm going to try to get some drummers to help you know, fill us out, make us, uh, you know, I don't know. There's not much you can do to Vocal Few to make it that tough, but... Um, Anyways, come show your support of our band. Uh, Christy and I will be out there without the kids for the first time. We'll be doing a club tour. We normally do living rooms, um, and I've met a lot of you guys out there in those living rooms. Um, this will be a cool experience. Um, the all-day event thing, uh, that's what Dan is there for. Uh, he's going to be facilitating some discussions. we got panel discussions with people. We're going to have breakout groups. It's going to be a communal experience, and of course, we're going to have a meet and mingle, which is like... We're just going to have drinks at a bar with you guys at the venue. So that'll be Emery and everybody and um, the Bad Christian podcast dudes. So I think it'll be super fun. You guys should definitely check it out. If you're over there, bcroadshow.com. And I'm pretty sure if you're doing the all-day ticket, like it's not really all-day. I think you show up like four, and it's for a few hours before the doors open. But if you're going to do the mini-conference, um, I'm pretty sure a DFTT 10 code will get you 10% off. So we get a little discount for our listeners. But um, yeah, I think that's it. I will be, um, I'm currently uh, still living at my brother's. I'm going to be moving in about a week, hopefully, if the the deal closes. Um, And then at that point, we'll be settling in and we'll get some, um, we've, we've got a bunch of ideas for the podcast. So thank you for sticking with us. Thank you, patrons, for backing us and supporting us. Um, we really appreciate you and we wouldn't be doing this without you at all. So thank you. Oh, I almost forgot. Um, my band, the classic crime is 
uh, doing a Kickstarter right now for a new album. We're going to be making our sixth album next year, and we are pre-ordering, pre-selling it uh, in order to make it. So go over to kickstarter.com and type in The Classic Crime, or uh, you can find links on all of our socials for it. Um, it's fully funded. We don't need money, but if you want to get in and get some cool exclusive perks, there's about, I don't know, 20 days left to do that, and um, we've got some cool stuff. We, we just released um as a stretch goal our oldest recordings which i did in our band room at the old o house uh in 2003 and uh when i was 19 and they suck and but you can kind of hear like where we're gonna be in a couple years where we were eventually but so that's cool uh go go get that if you back us you get to download that right away and then if we get i think about 100 more backers we're gonna release um a bunch of instrumentals from all of our independent albums so check that out karaoke instrumentals it's gonna be super fun um and that's coming down the pike in 100 more backers and i think we can definitely get that in the next 20 days or so so um go check it out on kickstarter and now to our topic of the day which is a rambling conversation with daniel dopp from espn about relationships addiction uh, man, we went we went all over. We went we talked about meaning and pain and suffering and self medication. So I thought it was good, um, and I hope you enjoy it too. All right, enjoy the podcast. So much of the good stuff in a podcast, guys, happens before and after you press the record button. Seems like that's always the case. Like, Daniel just called me, and we had like yeah, 20 minutes of good conversation. I'm like, why aren't we recording? And then, you know. <laughs> yeah, you got to go in hot. <laughs> you got to go in hot. But welcome back to the show, Daniel. Give us a little update on your life. What's going on? Yeah, what's it like being, yeah. what's it like being famous now? How has fame changed you? Um, well... Uh, Nick, let me tell you how it is. <laughs> uh, Whatever your name is. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's still it's 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 fun, man. I, I enjoy being able. I'm very blessed to be able to do what it is that I get to do with ESPN, and it's something that I um, do not take for granted. So, um, but yeah. So if you didn't, if you don't know me from beforehand, uh, my name is Daniel Dopp. I work at ESPN. I do a bunch of fantasy stuff for them with the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast uh, co-host a show called The Fantasy Show with Matthew Berry. Um, and I am also doing a show called Sports with Katie Nolan, um, who is one of the new people we have at ESPN that's been a ton of fun. And so like, that's what I do for my normal job, uh, which has been great. For the other side of life and things that Nate and I were talking about, um, I have, for about the last... Uh, well, not recently, but about ten months, my wife and I were were separated, trying to figure out what it is that we were going to do. Um, had you know some difficulties in going through stuff in life, and uh, we've been trying to work some things out and see if we can stay together. Because obviously, you know, no one gets married wanting to be divorced. And uh, I just came when I was talking to Nate before the podcast. I just came from an Al-Anon meeting, um, which is for those family members and loved ones um, for those who are alcoholics or who are uh, members of Alcoholics Anonymous. And so this was the first Al-Anon meeting that I went to, and that was a big part of, of you know, what was going on with my wife and I before everything. And so yeah, that's sort of 
that's sort of where my life has been is trying to figure things out from that standpoint and hopefully, you know, keep a relationship together and be able to have a better understanding of, you know, mental health and addiction and substance abuse, which is something that, you know, isn't something I really grew up with. And so yeah. there's that, been a lot of learning for me. That's interesting uh, juxtaposition, those two things you do, like, uh, or those two topics you just brought up. It's like, you go to all day long, you talk sports on a podcast, and then the real stuff... <laughs> That matters. You come home and it's like, okay, let's talk about addiction, uh, mental health. And that's how that's got to be hard. It's almost like, you know, uh, do you find yourself in the middle of the day? I guess we'll just let this podcast go. I had a whole other agenda, but we're we're just gonna go with it. Um, do you find yourself in the middle of sports talk, and then all of a sudden your real mind kicks in, and you're like, what the hell are we talking about right now? Like my life back home is a complete different story than yeah i don't really care about what these sports players are doing right now i know it's your job but i mean does that part of your brain kick on in the middle of it sometimes and you're just like Ugh. totally i mean it it's hard it's does. hard to enjoy sports when your life's kind of falling apart you know what i mean 100 percent. i mean it, inf- it infects everything that you do from that standpoint because you know a lot of the stuff that i would do throughout the day you know whether it's me with my job in sports or you guys with music on tour or doing you know whatever it is like the one person that I wanted to share it with was the one person that I wasn't connecting with at Mm -hmm. home. And so like all the stuff that I was, you know, I got to meet this person or we got to do this thing or this happened. And I was like, I'm so excited about it. And I just want to tell you. And it's just like, it is the, all those, all of those feelings that you want to pour into somebody, you know, eventually with where, where my wife and I were at, it was really difficult because it's just like, I don't have that person right now to be able to share it with. And it was, it was really tough. And that was, that is not, I'm not putting all that on her. That is not just because of her, because a relationship is two people and learning from each other and making sure that, you know, you're both able to understand where the other one is at and put yourself in their shoes so that I'm responding the way that I should. But it was really difficult um, for a long time. And we separated um, with the intentions of getting divorced. There was no idea of we're going to separate to try and work things out. It was just, you're going to move out and get your own place, and I'm going to um, do what it is that I'm doing here, and then we're just going to figure out who gets what, and we'll go our separate ways. And then after that time, you know, we realized that time apart and that separation was honestly the best thing that we ever could have done, unknowingly. Hmm. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I wonder how many people... Um, subsequently really damage their relationship or their relationship's potential for success by staying in a structure or a system that is just not working for so long. So the, the, the sort of like the, the hurt can just pile up as opposed to saying, you know what, this isn't working. We recognize it's not working. Let's, let's separate. I, I, I mean, I, I don't, I can't relate to that in a marriage, but Chrissy and I did that before we got married. We broke up for eight months straight, like didn't talk to each other. And that was so clarifying as to like, okay, we know that we, we kind of have a new perspective now on how much we know we want each other and, and, and uh, what was wrong. And you get some space and some distance and you can kind of analyze from, from that distance. And I think so many people are just afraid of that. They just keep in a kind of an unhealthy or toxic relationship. Well, well, I would say that a lot of people grow up and, um, you know, I mean, all three of us sounded like we grew up in an environment where like, A, you don't, you don't do anything before you're married. B, once you're married, you're, you're in it for good. You don't do anything else. And, um, 
you know, I've seen a lot of friends, you know, have a lot of problems because of that, because either like, yeah, they don't, they don't feel like, okay, we need some space right now to figure out what's going on. And then that space can be healthy. Or like, you know, a lot of my friends, like they, they've told me flat out, if I would have just slept with that girl before, before I would have never married her, you know, <laughs> like, what you know what that's I mean? So, that's so messed up. <laughs> well, no, but because because there was all this mar- this like Christian marriage pressure to get married to have oh, sex kind of thing, right, right. And if they would have just, sounds, if they would have just, it just said, sounds okay, like their priorities are are out of whack. Like if you love no, someone, no, no, no. I mean, the it, sex is going to no. be good. No, no, it's not that. It's just that it's very blinding. The urges, right? right? The right. urges to to do that. It's like, oh, we got to get married. We got we have to stay in these parameters to function. And once, but sometimes outside of the parameters, you you have the best clarity. Yeah, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like if you're like, okay, let's 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 take six months to separate, or okay, we, you know, like um, I'm, I'm not advocating people just go out and make decisions that are like uh, flippant or whatever. But some people are dating for years and then they just kind of don't. They right. don't know what the relationship is. You got to shake things uh, up to, to change things for sure. But, you know, a lot of my Christian friends, it was like they they said to me, within the first week of marriage, I knew I made a mistake. I'm like, what? What, what happened That's the crazy. first week? You know, uh, like what was what was that first week that clarified it? Well, most of the time, the only thing that changes is you move in together and you have sex. Right. right. So. So. And those are two things you do not do if you're a Christian. Right. Like, but if you did do it, it might have clarified it before you, you made that lifelong commitment. <laughs> right? <laughs> Which would save you a lot of pain, potentially. But then but then you then let's go down the road. You have three kids, and then you decide then you go back to that first week and you're like, Since day one, I've not been happy, but here we are ten years later finally making this decision. Yeah. And, yeah. and the damage go, is yeah, a little bit bigger at that point. A lot of more Oh, the damage involved. is yeah. like yeah, it's yeah. it's it's tenfold. So I in my you know I'm just like man you know and just shooting the breeze. I was like, it would have been nice if you just hooked up and realized it wasn't going to work out, right? <laughs> and they're like, yeah. Daniel, do you feel like do you feel like your break was informative for you? Like, did do you feel like you you gained some insight into kind of what was wrong with the relationship or maybe what you wanted? Totally. Yes, one hundred percent. I did, and that was one of the things where. You know, it was a it was definitely a situation where with that space, there was the understanding of, all right, I can take a step back and I can actually analyze everything because when you're in the middle of what's going on, it's so hard to be able to see it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're, you're almost too close to the situation or there's too much hurt for you to be able to process everything in that moment. And then once you're able to step out and be like, I've got a couple months removed from this, I'm now, you know, doing it this way. And it's like, again... You know, like you said, I'm not like this is not something to advocate where it's like, I'm just going to flippantly decide we're having some problems. Maybe we should like see if we should spend some time apart. Like that was I mean, that's this is after a long time of, of hurt and, and trying to figure things out and things not working on both of our sides. You know, part of it for me was getting this job that I have here at ESPN. And in all honesty, like, you know, she very much felt like I was married to my job because it's it's a it was a dream job for me. Right. And so, yeah, I had yeah. I had this job first before she moved up here. And it was so difficult from that standpoint because it was very much like a, you know, I came in and I wanted to crush it. I wanted to be so good that they couldn't remember how the company functioned without me. And then it (laughs) would be able to get me this, you know, this internship would turn into a part-time job. And then that part-time job would turn into a full-time job. And it's just like, I want to prove how valuable I am. So I would work, you know, crazy hours to try and make everything work. And meanwhile, I'm 
I'm just married. She just moved up here, the first time really living away from home, and it was really lonely for her. And here I am, you know, solely focused on what in my mind was I was trying to help, like, provide a, a lifelong career where we could set ourselves up. And I didn't think about it like that. It was, it was the best of intentions, but, you know, the, the saying, like, the, the road to hell is paved with the best intentions. And it's right, like I just right. wanted to set us up so that we would be good, so that we could have money and a career and, and benefits and all these things. And she was just like, I'm lonely and depressed, and you care more about your job than you care about me. Mm-hmm. And that led you know, to a, nu- a number of things. Hmm. You know, it's, I was just trying to think about this um, and uh, went to uh, uh, the Jimmy Eat World show the other night. And I don't know if this is too much to share on the podcast about their personal lives, but someone I know, you know, works for the band, and they were like, half the band's divorced now, and... And I was just asking him how the band's doing. You know, you've been a band for 25 years. And I remember leaving that conversation going like, you know, you you read these artists and they sing these songs about pain and separation. And like, sometimes I'm like, you know, what are these guys singing about uh, heartbreak and heartache at this age in their life? Don't they have that squared away? And then I realized, you know, as I was sitting there going, the sacrifice to work for a sports team or to tour around and play these songs 25 years later pretty much takes a toll on your on your personal life like these guys their their lives have fallen apart it, it, because of this band and like it takes a really dedicated woman to stick by a guy that tours 6 months 8 months however long out of the year um but i do think there's this huge sacrifice and there's this huge uh i don't know like conversation you have to have of where do you draw the line of between work and your home life and if you're in a band how do you draw the line because you it's almost impossible to have a career in music and not be gone most of the time is it worth it i don't know where that line is i don't know where that balance is because i was the same way daniel when when sherwood was kind of in the beginning it was like 24 7 it's all i could think about it's all i wanted to do Yep. And uh, it, my home life or whatever else was going on, forgetting friends' birthdays, couldn't go to any weddings of my friends, um, couldn't basically had a just rocky relationship with any girl that I was dating, mainly was dating one girl, but it just everything at back home sucked. And so you're on stage and you're performing and you're having this great life, but then at home it's just falling apart. Hmm. And so you're you're happy in one sense because this thing you're doing, you feel valuable, feels like you're... You're connecting with the world and then you get off stage and you're back on your bunk or you're wherever and you're just like kind of miserable and and because you have this whole other life back home that's not working out. Um, and it sounds like, you know, a lot of what you're saying, it's like, I, oh yeah, I went through that. The only difference was I wasn't married. Right, right. And that was the hard part for me was like once you get to that point, it's like, all right, well, now I'm here. Like, this is supposed to, you know, the way that I feel about it, like, this is supposed to be a lifelong commitment. And it's like, you know, haven't really lived together before, which is a a total change. You know, trying to figure out someone's personality is totally different when they're in their comfort zone of I'm at my home, my family's around, you know, I grew up in Florida, Orlando, I know everything, so I feel comfortable here. And then it's like you pull them up to a new state where they don't know anybody. And a little bit of who they are, you know, changes. I remember when I, I mean, I was... I was in the military for six years, so I got very comfortable moving around from place to place to place, making new friends over and over, and it, it wasn't a big deal. But Not, your personality carried can do that from place to place. Exactly. Yeah. Not everyone is. I'm not. She isn't who I am, and right. I was not at all being, you know, cognizant or fair of. 
you know, well, I, I mean, it's not a big deal. Just do this. Or, you know, it's like, she's not me. I can't hold her the expectation that I hold myself to because that's not fair. Right. So well, and people that, need people, right? Especially when you're in a new place or, you know, um, it's, it's hard. Like meaning is kind of the biggest, you know, thing that we're in, that we're in search of and everybody needs it and everybody needs a different way of finding it. And, uh, and without it, we just, you know, my wife's been through stuff like that too, where she's just like, what, what are we doing? What am I, you know, and she gets into a funk and she struggles with depression and stuff like that. I want to kind of talk about addiction for a second, just because, I think it's just one of these super taboo topics that nobody talks about enough and nobody and people kind of look at it like, oh, that's, you know, that's something that other people struggle with or whatever. And they never see themselves as addicts like there. There is this kind of there's a lot of literature now that's coming out that's saying, you know, we're all basically addicted. Um, (laughs) Every one of us. But we all but and the point is, it's kind of a it's a need to fill a void, really. And you can do it with social media or shopping or working or success or money or um, Instagramming. I mean, you can you can see your your neural pathways start to magnetize to these things. And then when it starts to become destructive, then, you know, okay, I have a problem. But um, I was listening. Nate, did you listen to that or watch that video I sent you with the Dr. Gabor Mate? That hour long video? Maybe. Oh, I think I watched some of it. it. It was so good. And I don't know if you've heard of him, but he wrote this book called In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts. And his whole thing huh. is like addiction is related to um, pain. And it's just people treating their pain. That's all it is. It's nothing more than that. It's just people treating their pain. And we never talk about, we always talk about the symptoms. Like, oh, this person uh, drinks too much or this person shops too much or this person, whatever, you know, plays too many video games. But we never talk about the pain that causes those symptoms. And uh, yeah, I just I, I just think like it's such a taboo thing. And I think we all we all experience it. Like we all have people in our family who've gone too far down certain destructive behavior patterns and stuff like that. But um, what do you what do you take from that? Like, does do you think I mean, you just came from an Al-Anon meeting. Do you think it's it's they have a good perspective on 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 what causes behaviors like this so i will say that at this point um my wife realized what parts of the problem were big parts of the problem alcohol obviously was a big part of the problem because there was a lot of pain that she was feeling that you know she was just self-medicating away she just didn't want to feel it didn't yeah. want to deal with it and that's really all of, of what it was is i'm hurting I don't know how to be able to express that to you. I don't know how to be able to talk about it or even deal with it within myself when it's like, you know, can you tell me what I can do or how I can help? It's like, no, if I know how, if I knew how to do that, then we would have fixed this a long time ago. Hmm. It's not that if if it was that simple, Hmm. then I would have just told you so that we could have done it because, you know, me saying like, babe, is there any, you know, what can I do? Like, tell me what it is that I can be for. And it's just like, you don't understand how unhelpful, like I get you're trying to be helpful. Right. But like, I don't need you to say, of course, if I knew what to tell you to do, I would have done it a long time ago. You huh. saying, can you help me? Can you tell me? Can you, like all this stuff, it doesn't do any good. And so the idea of substance abuse and addiction and the understanding that like, I just don't want to feel it. I don't know how to process either the things that are going on or I'm so hurt or so scarred from things that happened earlier on in my life right. that I've just never been able to actually process and deal with. Right. I'm just covering mm. it up with this medication of one kind or another. Right. And we, st- yeah. and we stigmatize yeah. it too. I mean, we, and, and that's the thing. It's like we punish people 
for just treating their pain. And I think our, our society has it all wrong. It's like, we all have this pain and, and varying degrees of it. Like we've all, we've all been through some trauma, some, some varying degree of trauma. And, um, we've all had pain and suffering and existential crises in our lives. And we all de- dealt with those things probably in unhealthy ways. And we don't punish someone for having a shopping addiction or a video game addiction, but we tend to well, punish, yeah. punish people or see people with, with uh, drug or alcohol addictions as something, you know, that's a bad stigma well, or something. I think, you know, I loved it when uh, Richard Rohr said once in a podcast I was listening to, he says, you know, human beings love the sins of the flesh. And so, you know, anything that you can visibly, visibly see that someone is either doing with their body or doing to their body, um, it's 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 held into this you know greater consequences than right? like so a psychological pe- addiction or something yeah, yeah. ego right greed Pride. lust whatever something right. yeah it's it's like you know the the sins of the spirit I guess you would say those are um, they're just they're not as uh, you can't calculate them as easily hmm. and so it's why you know your pastor you know he could be a total egotistical asshole <laughs> but the moment he touches he touches somebody in the congregation ooh let's fire him you know. <laughs> uh, it, it, it like it like it yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he's sinful in these ways. But as soon as he's sinful in this way, yeah. and the same goes, I think, for addiction. It's like the moment that you can visibly tell that someone's addicted, to drinking alcohol or doing drugs. Uh oh, yeah. they've got a problem. But uh, it doesn't just, matter. They spent they're just treat- fifteen hours on. Yeah, they're just treating at- their pain. That's all it is. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, I think I remember like three classes from college the entire time I was in college, and one of them was chemical dependency. And I remember every day wanting to go to this class because the teacher was like an ex-addict and she was talking to our class about it. And every day, everyone was just asking these questions. And there was a lot of addicts in the class. And it was the first time I was like, oh, this is what college should be. Like, we're all learning and we're all excited to learn. And people are asking questions and and we're taking things away. And I think that um, I've noticed in the last couple of years that I've been thinking about that class a lot in the age of social media that I think what's happening is that social media is becoming more and more to me a visible sign that we're all very lonely and there is this pain. And so we're constantly checking in to like, hey, did my friends write on my thing or whatever? Like we want to be with our friends. We want to be in this community and it's getting more and more painful, Right, I think. Right, and all of our addiction to it is on display now too for, for how much we post or how much we're commenting like... I mean, I just, there's got to be algorithms to figure out who, what level of addicted you are to social media. Yeah, it's crazy to me. It's like my grandma, right? I I literally said the other day, I'm like, hey guys, I'm kind of done with Facebook. You know, give me a call. I just feel like it's not a good thing for me, socially, mentally, whatever. And then my grandma, you know, continues to write on my Facebook page. And I have to, I'm trying to figure out what to do because I run all these other pages on Facebook and I haven't deleted my account yet. And I'm just like typical grandma sucking you back she, into technology addiction. No, it's it's like it's like I never she never calls me, right? <laughs> She's addicted. Like but it but it's just it's just a source of like I don't actually understand this weird world we've created like I don't really have a relationship with my grandma. Like I don't really have a relationship with her, right? right. And but she's yet trying. on social yeah. But she's but she's trying in this one weird realm. So I'm just like I'm a I'm a phone call person. That's just how I am, right? right. Um, and I feel like we've transitioned away. And maybe your wife, Daniel. I'm assuming too much here. 
But, you know, you move from your hometown where you have actual relationships with people, and then you move into this digital remnants of what that was. So you can still contact these people and chat with them or whatever in this weird space. But then, you know, it's it reminds me of Scarlett Johansson on Lost in Translation. Her husband's this famous photographer. She's in Japan. He goes off to work, and she's just kind of like, what do I do with myself? I don't know where I am. I don't know anybody here. And then she kind of strikes up this weird relationship with Bill Murray and uh, who also is having his life fall apart because he's gone all the time. And that's just what I keep. That's the feeling I get in this age where we're all just like, what and where people are misunderstood and disconnected and yeah. Lost in translation. That's pretty good. Is is that any of that relatable or I'm just blowing smoke out of my ass? A hundred percent. 100% 100% relatable. Um, I feel like that's one of the things where, given technology, you would think it would be easy, but it all depends on the relationships that that person had where they just were. And and when we moved up here, we realized a lot of the relationships that she had, to be honest, were um, not always with the greatest people that wanted to stay in touch or not people worth staying in touch with. And so this was a, a thing where it was just like, you know, you've, I don't know, man. Like, I am a different person in that I am, I, I talk a lot, I'm, I make a lot of friends, I'm very outgoing, and she just isn't. And mm-hmm. even on social media, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm seeing other people do this, I'm seeing these things happening, I'm seeing this person do whatever, oh, and it almost makes me miss home from home more, especially when I'm already lonely up here, and it's like, well, if I'm lonely up here and I see my friends doing those things back home, it makes me, you know, wish that I was back there doing that. So the idea of I still have a connection, while in theory, sure, like that could be great, but it definitely makes it worse if you're feeling lonely. It only exemplifies the feelings that you have inside. Right, right. And we're so much busier now. It's harder to start over. I feel like um, I deal with this daily, you know. I, I met my wife across the country. Um, we lived in Florida for a time. Then we moved to Nashville. I didn't really know anybody here except a few friends that were in bands. And I found myself often feeling that way of like, I don't know where I fit in into this world. I don't know what town I should go to. I don't, you know what I mean? I I can relate so much on that, on that end. And if you have more of a sensitive personality, um, it's even more difficult. And I think that you're saying... Daniel, that you kind of have this forward progression of like, I'm going to make friends, I'm going to make community, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make my life about other people. But there's a lot of people that have the personality where they only need like four or five good friends. They don't need a hundred friends. And the, the, the difference is, is they want those five friends to really care, right? So when those five friends start to let you down, you know, they don't show up to a birthday or they don't even remember your birthday or, you know, there's just these things in your life. Hey, hey, I'm right here, man. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered your birthday last year. No, 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 no. It's not. <laughs> I, 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 I am. I am kind of a split between the two. Um, I do want a few close relationships, but I, I can be a little like no, I, can, I can be pretty. I, I used to be more outgoing. Yeah. But I don't know. Can, it's weird. You can mingle. I think it's part of just social conditioning of being in a band and touring. It's like but it, yeah, it gives but, you the ability to to kind of be flexible in social situations. Yeah, it, but but I know people that are if they're sometimes I think I'm getting more like I, I'm I'm requiring a lot from le- from less people, um, 
which is difficult because I think it puts a lot of pressure on a few people in your life. Like, oh, dang, you know, like to be friends with this guy, I've got to give a lot. And I think, um, I don't know your wife's personality, but I would say that she doesn't sound like you where you can kind of get enough from, you can get a little bit from a lot of people to, to fill your tank. And I would assume the opposite is you need a lot from a little to fill your tank. And if right. you're in a new town and a new place, it's it's really difficult. And I would say I felt that way a lot of times in Nashville. Like there's a lot of traveling dudes here. They're not home a lot. They they're friends with a million people. Fickle relationships, I, you know. Just it, nights, I, it, nights at the bar. That's what tour does. It doesn't work for my personality. Yeah. I'm just like I, I just you know what I mean? Like I just want a few people that I can connect with and understand. Yep. And it's like, okay, get in line, buddy. I've got like a, a month and a half of, of social stuff already scheduled out. So let's hang next month. And I'm just like, fuck you. <laughs> like, well, and I'll tell you, like, I, who I, are you? You know, <laughs> I just want to say that to people. That taught me a bunch about myself and what I thought was like, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. Like I, I listen, I'm, I am a good friend. You know, I felt like I was a, a good husband. And in reality, I wasn't being you know i'm very very much like for my personality it's great but am i th- am i am i more selfish than what i realize hmm. you know i mean the answer is very much yes like i can't there's an expectation of like i can get by on these things and this is fine for me and but am i going out of my way to make sure that the person that i'm committed to or even if i just have friends in a new place like am i going out of my way to make sure that they feel comfortable or am I only hmm. worried about if I feel comfortable? Hmm. You know, something like I, I still struggle with that every day with the idea of in my head, it's so hard to be able to think outside of, you know, I'm doing this thing and I know I know the way that my brain thinks this is for us and I'm doing a thing. But you know what? Like maybe that's not the way that that she's going to think about it or that's not the way that my buddy's going to think yeah, about it's it. Like Laurel, so, it's like Laurel and Yanny. People are yes. people are seeing two completely or hearing two completely different things, and sometimes you have to go, okay, how are other people seeing this right now? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Even it doesn't make a difference. Like we've had conversations where it's like, please try and see the heart behind what I was trying to do. I understand yeah. that your brain doesn't your brain doesn't understand why I would do that, and you're just like, that's ridiculous. Why would you think that I would want you to do this? And it's like help like. Please, please try and see this. But also, if you can't, like I understand that, like that—that's on me as as a significant other to be able to make sure that I understand the way that my person thinks, and at least when I'm dealing with them, I have to be able to alter the way that I do certain things. It can't just be I'm going to do it the Daniel way because, and they just have to deal with it. Like they'll just pick up on how, how it is that I want. Like right. that was a, a big part of the failure for me as a, a husband and trying to be a better person. Well, and I it's think something that, I still fail at every day. I feel like the thing about marriage that's hard too, maybe we could talk a little bit about this is, and or maybe not. I think that um, when you're single and you have these like depression issues or, or community issues, you have the ability to kind of fix that problem quickly because you can text 20 people and then you could go out and you can do something and you can get a little bit of a fix, right? Or a fill. But when you're married, it's different because you can't go out a lot. Or at least if you are going out a lot, you've got a lot of, you know, you're you're feeling guilty all the time because you're like, you just left someone at home or you're not together or whatever. And so I think marriage just shines this huge torch into your own personal pain that you brought into the relationship beforehand that you kind of just, you know, you know, whether it's guys that just like, 
you know, they were feeling, they were feeling, uh, I don't know, lonely sexually or whatever. They would just deal with it, right? And then you're in this marriage and you're like, oh, I can't just deal with it. You know what I mean? Uh, I've, I, I'm in this committed relationship now where I've got to be uh, sexually uh, together with this person. I can't just be, you know, just thinking about my own sexuality apart from her or whatever and or a community or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're just it's like, oh, I didn't realize I had this many issues. And now that I'm married, I've got all these. Yeah. They're like coming it, at me a hundred times. It at the very least amplifies your personality and and shakes off any delusions you might have had about yourself. Like I used to think I was one way. And then, you know, after 13 years of marriage, I know exactly who I am. Because <laughs> maybe that's part of just growing up. But it's also because it's mirrored back to me in my wife's perspective of everything I do in my actions and my behavior. And so I get a good picture of who I really am and not just the the person who I thought I was being. And then it's your kids. Your kids are going to be like, right. Dad, you're always X. Yeah. <laughs> Dad, you're always <laughs> Y. And it's like, oh, damn, here it comes. The damn. Uh, I know when we were at the, um, when we were at the, uh, we were in Nashville at the uh, Bad Christian Conference. I can, I can talk, I promise. Um, <laughs> and we were talking, one night we were talking about the Enneagram personality type, uh, typology. Yeah. And uh, we're out just talking about like what numbers, who who might be what number and what the numbers are or whatever. Did you ever look into that? I did. I did. So I am, um, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I think I'm a three-winged... Two? Two? I would, yeah, I would, yeah. Guess, I would guess that. Yeah. So three is the, I guess if you could, if you define it by the number one need would be the need to succeed, but... Um, but uh, so that would that would kind of go or at least tell a, a tell a good narrative for for why you would see your job as something that is uh, that is a challenge that you want to overcome and do really well at. Right. And a two is a helper. So um, and, you know, so if you're extremely helpful at your job and you're. Yeah, you're a helpful guy. <laughs> you're a helpful guy, Daniel. It's a yeah. it's a potent workaholic uh, uh, wing there. I think that three wings. Do you two. know your wife's number? <laughs> Um, so she is a, we did this and I forget what her number is, but we went through and we did it cause I talked to her about it afterwards. Hmm. Um, and it's like, she couldn't be farther on the farther away from me on the scale, but huh. basically like she's, she's such an introvert from that standpoint. Huh. And it's, um, I mean, this is one of the things where like, I feel very much like I'm a, I'm, I want to be a people pleaser. Like I want to be a helper. I want people to like, look at me and say like, you know what, if I need something done, like I can count on Daniel to make it happen. Like right. I really thrive off of that, that like I get fulfillment from right. knowing that people are happy with what it is that I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same point, I have a really hard time. Like I take not criticism poorly, but like when someone is frustrated or mad at me, like I take it really hard where it's just like, man, all I want to do is try to fix it. What yep. can I do to fix it? Like, how can I not? And that, I, I mean, especially with what it is that we're talking about, the idea of like sometimes there's not just like a fix it in the moment. Sometimes it's a I did something wrong or something happened or whatever it is. And, right. and you've got to – it just takes time. Right. And, man, that is frustrating and it, it just <laughs> eats me up inside. Yeah. And it's one of those things that, you know – so May is, is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, and huh. in thinking about the way that, you know, a lot of people – dealing with depression or anxiety or any kind of mental health, like the idea of like, um, and talking to my wife, like I understand that you feel this way probably all the time. 
Like this is a thing where it's just like I can't I can't fix the thing that's inside of me that I want to just be able to fix. Like if I knew how to fix it, I would just do it. Right. And and you know when someone's frustrated with me, which is not all the time, but when, like that's how I feel. And I've I've tried to like step outside of myself and think about imagine imagine dealing with that in a way that it's just nonstop. Hmm. You know where you can't help it, where either depression or anxiety is something that comes up, and it's like I can't. I can't figure out why. Mm-hmm. I can't shake it. And this is one of those things where it's just like I man, I I feel being with somebody, my little brother deals with a lot of the same stuff. Like being with somebody has really opened my eyes to um man, I thought I was a really good person and I thought I was really good at dealing with stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm not good at dealing with people and understanding and being, you know, as as conscious of the way that certain people are taking stuff, you know, how hard it is for them to do things or how difficult it is like dealing with someone with substance abuse or dealing with someone with, with depression. It's just, it is, it is something that I, I never dealt with. And it's been a lot for me to try to like learn and grow up to, you know, as an adult, try to learn. And that's where the helper inside of me is like, I'll just do anything. Like, just tell me what it is that I can do. All I want to do is help you. Right. But it's not like that. That's that. There is no answer for that. And so, I'm a troubleshooter and a fixer too. And, and that's like the worst thing my wife says is like, don't try to tell me what to do to make it better. Like, just be with me, just listen. And I'm like, oh, it's so hard. Like, you know, I go through the list like, well, have you been eating well? Like, what's your sleep like? Check your Fitbit. Have you worked out? Right. When's the last right. time you got a workout? <laughs> you know, like I just do that. And it's just, it's like yeah. the worst thing you can do. <laughs> well, I think, I think, I think what I'm hearing um, between all of this is that, um, a lot of weaknesses are just kind of lost in translation as strengths, right? So, um, it's like, you know, one of my, one of the guys in my band, you know, we, I had this realization the other day I was talking to him and he says, you know, one of my problems is I'm like, what? He's like, I don't like to be vulnerable with people. And so I'll ask them a thousand questions about their life and I won't be vulnerable. And I was always like, I always thought that was a strength for you. And he's like, no, it's a weakness. Like, I don't ever get vulnerable with people, so I'll just ask them questions about their life. And I said, it's funny that you call me because I'm the exact opposite. I'll talk about all my vulnerabilities for the last hour <laughs> and won't ask you a damn question. <laughs> so that's my that's my downside is yeah. that I have a hard time asking, putting myself in other people's shoes, like, where are you at? And so I, it's like I left that phone call going, so often these perceived strengths, like, Daniel, you're a people person. You want to make people happy. You want to solve these problems. Oh, that's a good quality. That's a good strength. Yeah. No, it's not because it can be super distracting and it could keep Daniel from asking the questions that he needs to ask about himself right. and working on the things that he needs to work on or just listening to his wife when she's like, I'm alone. I'm yeah. lonely. Yeah. And not go, well, let's fix it. Let's go get ice cream. Let's do this. Let's do that. You know, um, and I think that's those are harder to define. Those are harder to work out because they they're they're like trolls. They're just like kind of right. like they're 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 that's they why, seem good. That's why I like the Enneagram is because it's two sides of the same coin. So your greatest sort of strength in your personality type is also your your greatest weakness. So like it you know can hurt you. It's like your uh, your deadly sin is your you know your it initial blessing or whatever they call but uh but yeah it's the same thing it's like there there are reasons why you would need like i'm an eight right so i'm a i'm a challenger and um i need i need to um what is it the need to 
be against, which is useful. It's useful to have someone who's always, you know, not trusting authority and challenging everyone's opinion all the time. But like that can be so pathologically painful to be around all day long if I'm unhealthy with it, right? If I'm just like against all the time, just against everything, right? So there's like, there's a useful aspect of your personality where it's like, you want to be around a three because a three is going up. They're like a rocket and they can, they can take you with them (laughs) and they're usually fun and they're usually engaging and whatever. But like, there's downsides to that personality. It's just like, can they sit still and, and listen and identify with pain or are they just not they don't want to see the pain or don't want to see the heart you know um and so yeah there's 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 two sides to every coin or it's more just like slowing down and weeding out a lot of the frivolous relationships that kind of distract you from investing in the few um because i would say that you know um you know your your wife in any relationship, your partners, your you, the person you married, they need more than just a casual scoop of of love a day. You know what I mean? They need to. Oh you yeah. You can't you can't just spray the spray the garden with a little water hose and take off. You know the weeds are going to creep in, and yeah, eventually. I, I think I heard it's like you need forty five minutes a week. I think or no, is it ninety minutes a week? I think it might be ninety minutes a week. Um, of, that's it of one on of one on one time yeah just really like and especially when you're doing you know you have a you have a house you take care of so you have like domestic sort of business stuff so you you want to spend a certain amount of time saying how's the house going this is something that we're running together and then you have to have another uh, another 45 minutes i think of just like personal one-on-one conversing time and that's like you know that's in, indicative of most healthy relationships so if you just don't have that, then it's just hard to work it out. And it all comes down to communication, really. So, You know how hard communication is? <laughs> it's like you no, think you're really easy, good at communicating. Buddy. It's, <laughs> it's easy. just like, I had, no, I had no idea. I had no idea that it was this difficult. But My problem is too much communication. I just want to talk things to death. It's never a, the, oh. conversa- the conversation's never over for me, so I can talk. That's all what that. I do too. I, 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 that's seriously a problem for me. Where it's like I realize, like my wife is not one of those people, and I'll talk in circles. Like I'll, I'll have already said the same thing three different times. It's like we've done this. Now you're just making me more frustrated because we've already had this conversation and it's not ending. Right. Like you, you can't. Like that makes it worse. You got to work on that. It's, it's almost like, like you're not looking. You're looking for a resolve, right? It's like you're 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 speaking jazz. It just keeps going and going and going. It doesn't and resolve. Going. Yeah, <laughs> and you just want this jazz music to sh- stop if you're on the other end. But if you're kind of if you're the if you're the person who just is feeling your way, like oh, we're eventually going to get somewhere where I'll feel. I think it's just the verbal processors just want to verbally process out until they're feeling satisfied inside and so some reason it's like you know how much food do you have to eat to feel full i don't know some people can eat a little bit and some people just have to freaking gorge themselves and then finally okay i feel full and i think the same goes for some conversations where it's just like you talk you talk you talk it to death but at the end, you know, you feel, oh, I feel full. I feel good for a second. Um, and you're, but your wife can be going crazy, um, <laughs> unfortunately. 100%. And, that, well, and I, so I want to make it like really clear because I've said a lot of things where it's like, you know, 
my wife has said that I'm doing this or I've got to stop doing this or this is a problem. And it's like, this is not at all me complaining about her or that she's doing something wrong or that she's a nag. Like, I do not want it at all to come across that way. A lot of it is, like, I need to be more aware of who I am for my partner to fit their personality because I can't just say, my personality is this square and you are a circle and you just have to accept it the way that it is and interpret all of what I'm doing in the way that it will fit for you. Right. I have to be I have to do a much better job across the board. I mean, I this is the same as it was five years ago, as it is now, as it will be twenty five years from now, where you just have to learn your significant other and know the way that they take things and understand what makes them tick, what their triggers are, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it is a it is, really is a dance of you know, it's none of this is like a negative where she's saying all these things that I shouldn't hear. It's like, yeah, that'll help make our relationship healthier. And I need to hear that. I need that constructive criticism from you right. because otherwise I'm going to keep doing the same things that I think are right over and over. And it's going to cause resentment and this wedge, you know, there'll be these walls right. that come between us, you know? Yeah. They, you, know, I, uh, you know, they say threes don't respond well to therapy, but they respond well to coaching. So if you just, if she frames it in a way like, here's how you can be the best. That would be like the most motivating for you, probably. It's right. Like, <laughs> and I want that. It's it like, really what is would your be. ideal for me? I, I will I will try to achieve it. <laughs> I will do whatever it is that I can. And that's the thing. Right. Like I would love constructive criticism because to me it is not like you're telling me I'm doing all these things wrong. It's right. If you tell me how to do things that is better for you, that makes our relationship that much better, which is the only thing that I want. Right. That is all that I want. And that's I think so, that's kind of a general thing for guys. Like if Christy tells me I really like it when you do that. It gives me such a motivation to do it more as opposed to, I hate it when you do that all the time. You know, like, yep. I hate yeah, this. I hate yeah. this. If, she, if she says, man, when you come in and you like, you know, pet my back as you walk past to the bathroom, like, I really like that. So I'm like, all right, you know, now I'm slapping ass on the way. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. But you know, no wonder, you're get, no wonder you have to get the old tubes tied. <laughs> but you know, she likes, she tells me what she likes. And so I'm like, oh, I'm, I feel. I feel so yeah. good to make her feel good, and so I'm motivated. But the funny thing is, we mostly marry the person who's the opposite of us in general, which is right. across the board. You know, I've seen it in every so many of my friends. It's just like, of course, they married that person. They're like the yin to their yang, and right. uh, so it's it's funny because at first it works, and then in the long run, you got to go, oh shit, they're the yang. Dang it! <laughs> I want you to be. I don't want you to be that way. And yeah. then you're like, well, that's kind of that's. But it's it's sort of this mirror of yourself. So it's kind of like you know. And we're going to have this responsibility, Daniel. At some point, you'll have it. But Matt and I are already fathers. And what I've realized the problem with a lot of men is they have this sort of just blank, blanket way of approaching everybody and a very just like caveman way of thinking about the world and problems when each of your kids is going to be different and require a whole different set of things from you. Absolutely. Right? So you're going to frustrate the hell out of your kids. Like most people in big families are frustrated about their parents. And then one parent, one, one sibling's like, our parents are fine and the other siblings like no they suck you know what i mean (laughs) it's because it's because everyone needs something a little bit different and i think unless you battle your own trolls and figure out your own weaknesses you can't identify what other people need from you and if you're in a position of leadership or especially a father in a household you've got to be able to understand like she needs this he needs that she needs this he needs this and you've got to be able to give what they need but also attend to your own needs to to know that you have enough in your tank to actually dish out shit to other people that they need. Right. And I think most I think we live in a generation where most fathers are depleted. 
They've not battled their own trolls and their well, own and, demons. And mothers, for that matter, I think. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, sure. Yeah. Sure. But I think what it means to be kind of like a, a, a male presence in a home, a healthy male presence in a home, is to bring this storm of calmness into the home. Right. You're a, wi- you're a wild being of calm and peace. <laughs> and you can, you can take the hits. Well, sure. And that's, I mean, you know I, what I mean? I, I've had to... And, and and speaking of kind of like what different people need and how to adjust, like I'm not a morning person, but you know, my wife has made it clear to me that she's not getting up every morning with the kids. So I have to do, two, <laughs> I have to do Tuesdays and Thursdays, you know, yeah. which is fine. It's hard. And then it's I do, hard. And then I do Saturday, you know, I do brunch on Saturday or whatever. So, you know, we split it up pretty good, but weekdays I got two of them and that's just a sacrifice I make. Another sacrifice I make is, I work from nine to five. That's not when my brain is at its best. My brain is at its best when I'm laying in bed. And I used right? to write all my songs late at night. And oh. all, I was super creative late at night. And now I, I have a strict schedule because after five, I don't answer emails. I don't sit in my office. I'm out with the family. I'm helping cook dinner. I'm playing with the kids. And that has been, man, uh, that's just been a gift to my family. But it's a huge sacrifice on my part. Like, I've, I've, I don't want to do that. I didn't want, it's not natural for me. Like, but I had to, you know, is there anything, Dan, Daniel, that you've been uh, thinking of when it comes to, you know, separating work and, and home life? So it's hard for me because my, you know, when it comes to certain things, news breaks and when news breaks or something happens and it doesn't happen now, I'm outside of football season, so it's not as big of a deal. But right. the the idea that like something happens and now I've got to either find a guest or I've got to talk to my talent to make sure that like we're all on the same page. What stats do you need? We've got to add this to the rundown. I got to let the video department know that they've got to like find graphics for this. This is what we want to tell. It's a positive story, a negative story. And it's like, if I have to do that, okay, then that's part of my job. And she has to understand that. What I have to understand is that should be the exception. Right. That when I come home from work, you know, I do everything that I'm there, and if I need to stay an extra half hour at work to get stuff done, then I stay an extra half hour, and I don't come home until the work is done. Right. Because working from home, at least for her and and this personality, right, is a trigger. Right. Some people would be like, "No, just bring your work home as long as you can be in the room with me. Like that'll make me feel better." Right. And I and uh, that works for some people. And some people are like, "If you come home, like I want to feel like." Your you're, mind. You're present. You're not elsewhere in your brain. I'm yeah. not sharing you with someone. Right. And it's there's no right or wrong. It's just, sure. you know, which one are you? And so that's one of the things that for me, you know, it's, it's really difficult from that standpoint. And, and there has to be an understanding of every once in a while a thing will come up and I've just got to deal with it. And you have to make sure that it really is every once in a while. It's right. not a forest fire every time something happens. Yeah. You've it got sounds to decide like, what is and isn't important. It right. sounds like we all have a little bit of mania in us. You get manic and you're like, I got I, I wanna write this song. I wanna I wanna break this news. I wanna I wanna work on this video. I wanna make this joke. I wanna send this tweet. Whatever it is, you just get this mania. And I think that um is that that's something that I've noticed that like I can't come I can't come home even though I'm home all day, I can't come to my kids and, and and play with them with a clear mind and conscience if I don't feel like, and just focus on them, if I don't feel like I've satisfied that somewhere in the day, right? So it's like, if you don't, <laughs> which again is priorities is in a schedule and figuring out, okay, if you need these things to get your mind clear after five, then you've got to 
you've got to almost, you know, work out between those hours to tire yourself so that you can focus after a certain time frame. But it's hard if you're just, especially people who work at home, Matt, I know the struggle. It's like, you need to get the energy out some way so that you can focus well, at that, most people at never that have, moment. Most people never have to deal with it. I mean, people, people who work pretty regular nine to fives. I mean, they're gone all day and then they come home and then there, there is no, like, if it's regular, <laughs> there is no extra work. It's just, you're home now. It, but, yeah, but, but you have to but, set the boundaries. You know, if your job is a little bit more demanding and there's off hours stuff you need to do, that's where, that's where you have to have the discipline to go, okay, like, like Daniel said, is this a priority right now? Or am I just trying to uh, get away from this situation or feel productive or, or state some other desire, fill some other void by getting it done or getting it checked off when someone else actually could use, use my time and, and someone who, well, I, you know, the, who needs me. I would say most people still don't do it, Matt. Like most people have Kevin Arnold's dad where they work all day long and they come home and they grunt and they walk past their kids and they go sit and watch the TV. Um, I would say most men deal with stress that way. At the end of the day, they're too tired. Well, maybe um, for previous generations, but I don't know. I mean, it really depends on your job and depends on who you are. I think people are seeing that, like, especially our culture. I mean, little, most. Yeah, our culture is just a little bit more egalitarian now. Like, men are expected to. Like, back in the day, if, if your dad changed a diaper, it'd be like everyone would give him a round of applause. I'm you know? sure it's, it's getting like, better. Good for that dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I, and, now no, it's like, and now it's like, if I don't cook dinner, my wife's side eyeing me, you know? It's like. <laughs> So, you know, there's no, a little no, bit more I'm, expectations, but I'm saying that like if you don't practice a healthy way to get your mind in a spot where you're not drained all the time. Right, right. You're going to come home and you're going to spend like I'll be there with my kids and I'll feel drained internally and I have the time to spend with them, but I'm like checking my phone, well, absolutely. looking for emails, absolutely. trying to solve this problem. Right, the main yeah. especially when you get in stupid like inner like internet conversations with people you don't even know and that's that's the thing that triggers my wife it's like why are you arguing with people you don't even know on facebook i'm right here you know like argue with me (laughs) yeah uh, yeah but yeah it's it's like an internal there's like this internal uh itch you can't scratch well and that's just getting yourself healthy and that's the thing is like right i talked about this on 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 the bad christian podcast christy and i went on and we talked about kind of the the struggle the beginning of this year and the end of last year when we got off tour, just how we were just missing each other and we were just disconnected. And I was, I was just kind of not a fun person to be around because I was so stressed out and my, my wheels were turning from, from the road and I wasn't settled. And so I made a commitment to go on these, um, morning walks to watch the sunrise and then like write about everything I saw just so I could practice being present, just practice being in, in one space, not, in a thousand spaces in my head and that practice settled me back into like a more embodied uh i don't know just made me a person again like i was here suddenly and you know it took about six weeks of doing that every morning getting up super early and walking to the top of the hill watching the sunrise you know taking note of everything like the way the sky looked or the way what birds i saw on the way there what smelled a certain way and then writing it down and just being present and that allowed me to take that presence throughout my day and be present with my kids, be present with my wife. And, um, and so it was more of a, just working on me and it wasn't a situational thing. It wasn't like, what can I do to be better? It's like, I gotta, I gotta figure me out real quick here (laughs) because whatever, you know, I could do all the right things, but I wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be present. 
And uh, that's more fundamental, I think, in a relationship. I think, too, I mean, it's really hard for me. I'm, I'm listening to myself say all of these things, and it's like, I, I can hear... I can hear this, and this is great constructive criticism. I can hear my wife saying, like, great that you're saying all of this. <laughs> all of that is correct. Yeah. You're saying all the right words, but, like, I need to see those actions. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, yes, you're saying you, – you know what to say. You know that you're being more selfish and that you need to work on that. You know that you need to not say things the way that you hear it, the way that I need to hear it. Right. But, like, it's one thing for you to go – on social media and say a post about this or it's one thing for you to go on a, on a podcast and say all of these things because it, it makes it sound like you know all the answers but even in my own life I fail right. so many times at doing this right thing it's like I struggle with it all the time and it's not it's mm-hmm. it is one of those things where I just part of it for me is like I want to talk about it and I don't want to make it sound like I'm doing this right it's just I'm trying to be cognizant of being a better person for somebody and and being a better person for myself. You yeah. know, and just yeah. saying the yeah. right things yeah. is not enough. You know, I I'm, well, I'm aware, but I've got to fix it. Well, I think right, I think what right. Matt Matt what you're talking about, I think that really is what everyone needs to do. I think that the problem is is we don't seek peace in our daily lives. So when we, the moment we get up, we check our phone and then we head off to traffic and then we go to work and we get slammed with emails or whatever it is we're doing or we have these deadlines we got to hit and then, so it's never ending, right? And so, you know, we live in a very stressful society and I think that what you're trying to say, Matt, is that like and, and this reminds me a lot of some of the episodes we've done on um um, when we talked about the monks and stuff, solitude, um, yeah. solitude that you, you, it sounds like all of us need some solitude time to go walk through the meadows and smell the roses and calm ourselves down and seek peace like, like food, you know, you got to eat to live. So you got to go and you've got to get your mind in a place that you can actually function, but you live in a city and you, 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 you got all this stuff going on. It's almost impossible. So it, you can't give anything to your wife or your kids or whoever, uh, your spouse, if you don't give to yourself. And that's the more and more I'm realizing is that, you know, you've got to go out and give yourself some peaceful moments so that you can regurgitate that to everyone else in your life. Um, but you know, if you don't, if you're not a disciplined person or you don't, you think it's, Oh, that's a bunch of hippie shit walking barefoot through the tulips. I ain't going to do that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, but I think it's, I think it's cathartic. I think it really does help. I think it really does. There's something about the energy that the world and the peace and nature can give you that can help you give it back. And I'd heard from this guy, um, it was the Scottish poet, and I was listening to uh, On Being with Krista Tippett. Uh, it's a podcast, and she's all talking about spirituality and poetry and art and music. She does all this, and it's it's kind of you know formal or whatever, but she gets some pretty interesting guests. And when I got back from the road, I mean, I was just, like you said, manic, just on a tear with whatever I was doing and not really present, not really embodied, kind of not even seeing my family in front of me and responding to them in a way that you know, validated their existence. And so I was listening to these podcasts and listening to these poets and this guy, John O'Donohue talked about just a piece of advice he gave to a, uh, I might've said this before, but it was a high powered CEO in New York city. And she was just kind of at her wits end. The wheels were falling off, you know, and she was just worked, worked to death and not getting sleep or whatever. And she's like, what's one thing I can do to kind of rebalance my life. Cause it's just haywire right now. And he said, 
every morning, get up, or no matter where you are, because you're in the city, right? But the city is on, on, on Earth, and the sunrise is on Earth. So just get up and go watch the sunrise. Just have a moment, go watch the sunrise. And then at night, watch the sunset. And you get into these uh, circadian rhythms. You, you kind of sync back up to the biological rhythm that we all were synced to, you know, millions of years ago. And we've kind of lost contact with because we have these blue screens and we have this fake light and we just don't know if it's night or day and it doesn't seem to matter with our behaviors. So we just kind of manufacture it. And once you get synced up to the rhythm of, of the day, that does something that really settles your soul, biologically speaking. And, um, you know, and just a commitment to that. And she said she did it for a week and it changed the whole, her whole trajectory of it her is, career it and her is, life. So it, that's why it I is. It. What you're saying is it's funny because it, it feels like the world was set up to, to naturally weed all this shit out of our lives, right? Like like people have to join gyms. Well, you used to have to cut trees down in order to start <laughs> to burn fires. firewood, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. You know what I mean? That was your gym, right? Yeah. And all now, you, you used to have to walk around. you pay $300 a month to go to a CrossFit studio to mimic <laughs> swinging an axe. <laughs> yeah. You, you had to physically exert yeah. your – you had to burn calories. And burning calories made you – and naturally was a, a antidepressant. An endorphin, right? yeah. 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 And uh, now we don't do any of that stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah. You have to walk seven miles a day yeah. just to get water and food. Yeah. Okay, well, I felt better, and so it's it's, yeah, it's weird it's when I weird. look up to the sky and I see the sun. I feel better. It's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, vitamin D uh, yeah. on my. You know, I'm like it's like the plants grow. You know, and I and I find this when I'm working in the garden. You know, I always for the last six seven years I've had a garden, and the the more I get into it. The more I just realize, like, man, I'm I'm learning patience. I'm learning how to fight the trolls of bugs and <laughs> and overwater and all these stupid things that are trying to kill these plants. But then it's all of a sudden like they come out and you you start to see them grow and you're like, this is cool. Mm. And then they start giving you food to eat. And it's just it's like this is what everyone did forever. And now all of a sudden I'm like, hey guys, have you heard about gardening? And <laughs> exactly. It, you know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> it's a good thing outside? to do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like so stupid. It's like people are like, you know, they grow one thing and they take a, an Instagram photo of it like, I grew this thing. And it's like, it's actually pretty easy to do. Um, <laughs> humans have been doing it for thousands of years. And now all of a sudden it's like this, you know, modern breakthrough. Right. Tomato always, grows in yeah. man's backyard. There's always a reaction Call the press. To, to modernism or technology and the way that it pulls us away from nature. And the, the reaction is to go back into nature because that's where we came from. And that you know, gives you a level of peace and embodied serenity and security and where you know who you are and you're, you're in three dimensional space and suddenly your consciousness is not racing ahead to the future or anxiety yeah. about, you know, whatever people you have to please, you're right there in the moment. And that's what it does. It brings you back to earth, literally. And, well, uh, I'm curious what I'm curious what all our marriages would would how much better they would be if we literally just committed to 30 minutes of walk a day together that's it oh that would let's save, just go save the world there would be no war <laughs> think so <laughs> i mean that's, i mean i that, that's what I that's what you actually something, something you could do daniel you could actually just say we're gonna go on a walk we're gonna leave our phones at home and we're just gonna go for a walk every day so part of that is so we have a pit bull um that is very he needs he needs a lot to get his energy out and a lot of times you know the truth is it's like, man, I don't want to go on a walk tonight. Let's just throw the tennis ball with him and get all of his energy out, like in the backyard, like that. And it's like, okay, but you know what? Like, maybe it's not just about him. 
maybe maybe this is a thing that we need because we start walking and it's like let's talk about our day or let's talk about this other thing and then you know you realize that you start opening up or you're doing this and even if it's nothing else you're just actively engaging in something that isn't sitting on the couch watching a Netflix series with your significant other like you you're doing something right, right. with them watching so, a Netflix show while simultaneously checking your phone. Right, <laughs> yeah, while exactly. being on Instagram and looking at all these, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's like a that's the thing. Dream within a dream. distracted, yeah. So the idea behind that is something that is like, all right, I know that I'm tired. I don't want to do this. But yeah, like, let's make a commitment. Like, let's say today I'm going to do this for 30 days. And that's a thing that I'll, I might not do that today. But like, that is, I, I, I would love to <laughs> no, be able to do no, that. No, you bastard. You're doing it today. <laughs> gonna hold Don't you, you tell me no. I'm going to be, I'm going to be personally offended and you're going to let me down as a person. I know that's your, that's, that's your weakness. If you <laughs> don't, my weakness. if you that don't walk it. your wife today, <laughs> walk your wife, I'm going to be checking out. in. <laughs> she might be on the floor. <laughs> That'll be our new like accountability group. Did you walk your wife? You Hashtag walk, walk your wife. wife. Hashtag walk your wife. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> there is. Hey, you know what? There's like 150 movements going on this year, and we're going to start hashtag walk your wife. <laughs> we're going to get blasted the by the feminists, but we have we have good intentions. We're going to save really. the family. We're going to save the nuclear family. I think so. Well, with that, I think... Uh, I think we've covered it all. I'm going to end this podcast because the conversation is never over with me, but I <laughs> feel like I should end this one. All right. Daniel, uh, dude, thanks for being vulnerable on the podcast. I know it's not easy because you're kind of in the limelight and, uh, you know, yeah, man. it sucks to be vulnerable. Hey, if you, get any you more, know what? if you get any more famous, you're still going to remember us, right? Of course I will. <laughs> of course I will. Come on. You've changed, Stop bro. It. You've changed. <laughs> I not. But I do, it is important to me, like, I, I wish that we could talk about it more and that people would talk about it more um, because of the idea that, like, it's something that literally everybody deals with. Absolutely. I mean, whether it is you yeah. or, or your wife or someone in your wife's family or this famous person that you do or don't know. I mean, you, you can't, I can't be at work at ESPN and think that there aren't other people that are going through the exact same things that I'm going through. Totally. Neither dealing with... You know, a, a difficult marriage or substance abuse or depression or any of these things. And it's like we, we're not allowed to talk about it. It's such an no one wants to open up and have this conversation. Right. And I don't know why, because if we were all just more open and honest and let's share what does work for us, what doesn't work for us, let's learn from each other. Let's just let's be more cognizant about this. I That's what it is for me. Hmm. That's what it is for me. I I am terrible husband and i'm doing my best to try and get better at things and i am a, i fail at it every day but i know that i want to be better and i want to talk to other people about those that are dealing with the same kind of issues because just because you see me on a tv screen or because you hear a podcast i do you know in your ears doesn't mean that my life is all put together and buttoned up that's amazing man i appreciate so. that as my a and r guy i support that <laughs> same <laughs> I kind of I can yeah. I can agree and say same to all the all the stuff you just said. I'm, yeah, I'm totally. Yeah. I'm totally there with you, and that's what we're about. Just being open and honest, and, and showing people that that everyone's just a human being, and we're like one in two people, you know, are struggling with one of the three things you mentioned. Easily one in yep. two. That's half the world. Oh yeah. Yep. So no, everyone is. Let's be open about it. Let's not let that fester in inside, and let's you know engage with with these concepts and ideas because. 
it's it's reality for for the most part for more, for for the most people so yeah cool yeah. Well, Has- we hashtag it. hashtag walk your wife hashtag walk your wife and we got that one going. until you <laughs> until daniel's too famous and then it's hashtag who dis <laughs> hashtag who dis <laughs> hashtag new phone who dis <laughs> how'd you get my number <laughs> right. get who dis, who dis again uh, <laughs> all right man. well thanks guys if you have uh, any trolls in your marriage or your relationships or if you want to get on the walk Walk for life. Walk whatever. your wife. Walk your wife. Uh, walk your wife for a better life. Uh, email us at don't email the trolls. And uh, Daniel, where can they hit you up on Twitter? Uh, people can find me at Daniel Dopp, D-A-N-I-E-L-D-O-P-P. And I'm on Instagram at something to break. Only oh. hit Daniel up between hours 9 to 5. Do not hit him up right. after ST. hours. EST. <laughs> Bristol time. And, uh-huh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, dude. I appreciate uh, this, guys. Appreciate right. Thank it. Thank you so much for letting me do this. Thanks, Dan. Oh, thank you. Thank you.